From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Web 2.0. Web 1.0 was the World Wide Web as originally conceived by Tim Berners-Lee. It's about a mostly static viewing and static information access experience. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Bulos declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646 8080231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. If I had to name the most salient characteristic of a North American physician's life, it is time pressure. There just isn't enough time to complete the minutia of managed care, see patients, and keep abreast of the ophthalmic literature. European and Asian physicians have different but no less onerous time pressures. Ultimately, we are all faced with the same challenge to make more efficient use of our time or fall behind. A new set of interactive internet tools can help us, and I compliment you for already using one of them, the podcast. Collectively, these new tools are known as Web 2.0, and I'm happy to invite an expert on the subject to speak to us today. Magid Kamal Bulos is a senior lecturer in health informatics at the University of Plymouth in Devon, UK. Because... After 5,000 years, the age of papyrus is waning. Hello, I am Magid Campbell-Bulos, Senior Lecturer in Health Informatics at the University of Plymouth in England. I hold a PhD in Measurement and Information in Medicine, and I am originally trained as a medical doctor specializing in dermatology. I would like to thank you for the opportunity to contribute to your podcast series. The topic I would like to speak about is uh, Web 2.0 tools. Web 2.0 tools are currently a buzz word. To understand these tools, let's go back to Web 1.0. Web 1.0 was the World Wide Web as originally conceived by Tim Berners-Lee and until a few years ago. It's about a mostly static viewing and static information access experience. You look or read HTML pages that are authored or have been authored by other people and are maintained by other people on remote servers. All what you can do is to visit the pages from time to time and read them. Now in Web 2.0, we are dealing with a better paradigm, a read-write World Wide Web, whereby the pages are interactive, 
you don't just click on hyperlinks and move from topic to topic but you have the, the option of editing those pages of adding your commands of engaging with other people discussing topics um, joining communities of practice online communities doing social networking online so it's about interactive internet-based services it's about sharing knowledge it's about distributed uh, knowledge distributed authorship etc it's about really a new uh, model where you can uh, do something rather than just be uh, being an, a, a passive recipient or reader of information Web 3.0 is about the semantic web, about software agents, about ontologies, about novel ways of representing knowledge so that computers can better serve the needs of users. It's really about a more intelligent uh, World Wide Web than uh, anything we have uh, come across so far. So let's go back to Web 2.0 uh, and mainly to uh, tools like wikis and blogs and podcasts. There are other tools and uh, Web 2.0 applications like social networking sites, like the novel um, image uh, sharing uh, sites like Flickr, uh, like the novel applications for online mapping from Google and others, Google Maps, uh, MSN, Virtual Earth. All these are Web 2.0 uh, applications. Uh, but let's focus today on uh, wikis, on blogs, and on podcasts. First, let's start by defining a blog. How uh, does a blog differ from a personal home page of the old days? The word blog is a contraction of weblog. A blog is a type of information sharing website or online diary or journal where dated entries about a particular topic are made in reverse chronological order that is the most recent appearing first. Blogs can be written by one person or by a group of contributors, say belonging to uh, one organization or sharing a common mission. Blogs can also have comments and inputs posted by uh, visitors and readers of the website. So it's not just the main uh, author or authors of uh, the entries who can edit the pages or post new uh, content. Also, readers and visitors can engage in a discussion along uh, the posted uh, topics or uh, entries and add their own input, which then becomes available and accessible by subsequent visitors who can uh, then read those new comments and add again their own comments, etc. And you start seeing a topic uh, expanding and uh, with starting with the original entry you then get other subsequent entries, other contributions and uh, knowledge starts building up. This lends itself very well to the concepts of sharing and constructing knowledge uh, in clinical education and consulting with uh, other uh, peers and experts. Uh, clinical education is not just about 
reading a textbook or a paper in a journal uh, that's what web 1.0 would uh, be able to deliver but it's also about sharing and joining and engaging in communities of practice in discussions about or around a particular topic uh, seeking advice and receiving it from others blogs are well suited for this purpose some uh, uses of blogs include using them in virtual uh, world rounds, clinical rounds, clinical cases, for example, posting a case of some skin condition with the clinical photos of the skin lesions and some textual description alongside those photos and then inviting the visitors and readers of the blog to engage in a discussion around this case, uh, trying to reach a set of differential diagnoses or a provisional diagnosis or maybe discussing uh, some management aspects of the case etc asking the uh, person who originally posted the case some extra information etc and with time and multiple posts and contributions uh, you tend to reach some consensus or to construct the complete truth or knowledge that you are seeking and you end up with lots of useful advice, lots of insight. A typical blog can combine text, can combine images, uh, links to other blogs, web pages, other media. Also, it can have a search facility to search across previous posts. It can have uh, a navigable archive of past entries. It can have moderation capabilities so that the main author or authors or owners of the blog can have some kind of control over which posts uh, by visitors or comments or input by visitors uh, gets published online. Uh, blogs uh, also uh, uh, can be uh, mainly focusing on photographs, let's say clinical photos, and then they would be called photo blogs. They can be focused on videos and then would be known as vlogs. Uh, for video blogs, some people would call them vodcasts for video on demand broadcasting. They can focus on audio and then instead of being called a blog, they would become uh, a podcast. So this would be podcasting. It's a, a blog uh, dealing mainly with audio uh, entries. Among the clinical examples of uh, blogs available today, uh, we have uh, the clinical cases and images blog available at clinicalcases.blogspot.com This particular blog has been featured uh, favorably in bmj.com and Medscape and I uh, strongly recommend this one as uh, a good uh, starting example for those of you uh, wanting to see a clinical blog uh, in action. Wikis are another form of editable web spaces belonging to the same generation of Web 2.0 tools. A wiki from the Hawaiian wiki to hurry or swift is a collaborative website whose content can be edited by anyone who has access to it, of course subject to the moderation policies of any given wiki. Perhaps the best example of a wiki in action today is Wikipedia, the well-known free encyclopedia. It's one of the largest 
and most successful wiki projects available today, perhaps the largest of all uh, wikis, public wikis uh, available today. And uh, the Parent Foundation, the Wikimedia Foundation, develops the MediaWiki uh, software as a free software wiki package, uh, and it's the same package that runs Wikipedia, and it's available for uh, anyone to uh, download and install on their own uh, server uh, to start running their own uh, uh, wiki. Uh, based on the same wiki engine running Wikipedia. It's one of the most uh, successful and most uh, easy to use uh, wiki engines available uh, today. Best of all, it's also free. Uh, MediaWiki is available at www.mediawiki.org. Wikis represent a promising principle that can significantly transform the Internet information age. They have grown very popular in recent months and years, especially Wikipedia. There are similarities and areas of overlap between wikis and blogs, but by design, wikis are more suited than blogs for collaborative and group writing and editing, and also as content management tools while blogs can be thought of as two-way conversations between an individual author and his or her audience. Wikis can be used as a source for obtaining information and knowledge, and also as a method for virtual collaboration. For example, to share dialogue and information among participants in group projects, in hospitals, or to allow learners to engage in learning with each other using wikis as a collaborative environment to construct their knowledge or to be part of a virtual community of practice. Medical and health-related wiki examples include GAMFID, available at gamfid.org. It's G-A-N-F-Y-D dot O-R-G, an online collaborative medical reference that is edited by medical professionals and invited non-medical experts. Wikis are sometimes prone to vandalism and as a result serious quality issues because of their free-form nature and the relative and potential lack of control over their content. Though this actually can be the very strength of wikis and blogs. It's a free environment where anyone can edit. In an open collaborative web environment, anyone can very easily post copyrighted material without the permission of copyright holders, post otherwise unsuitable or misleading content, edit existing content in a way that reduces its quality or accuracy, or even delete or blank a good wiki entry. You don't find the vital article meta-information you expect in uh, medical articles like what you find in a journal article. You find clear information about who are the authors, their affiliation, uh, ways of contacting them, etc. So you know exactly who are the people who wrote this piece you are reading. But in a wiki, most of the time what you uh, know is just the nickname 
uh, of the person uh, who did a particular edit or maybe only their IP address. So this uh, lack of clear and complete authorship and editorship information is sometimes a problem for wikis, especially open wikis, which anyone can edit. However, despite this, despite the fact that Wikipedia is one of the open uh, wikis available today, a recent study comparing the quality of information in Wikipedia and uh, Encyclopedia Britannica found that Wikipedia comes close to Britannica in terms of the accuracy of its science entries. This uh, study uh, or investigation uh, was published by the journal Nature. So it shows that uh, Darwinism, which is the Darwinian uh, evolution of wiki entries, uh, whereby uh, hopefully entries after multiple edits uh, will evolve to the better and the bad content or low quality content uh, would be weeded off the veracity of these resources can be assured through careful monitoring, moderation, and operation of the collaboration where in a closed and secure digital environment. So you can, for example, enforce the registration of users before they are allowed to edit an entry, and during registration you might ask them to provide proof of their uh, credentials or qualifications or um, membership of a particular uh, professional body. And that's exactly what ganfig.org, the wiki I have just mentioned uh, as an example of medical wikis, that's the model that this wiki is adopting. Uh, it doesn't allow just anyone coming to the site to edit the pages. Of course, anyone is welcome to read the pages. It's open to anyone without restrictions. But when it comes to editing and changing, the content and adding new content, then you need to be registered and the registration is not a simple process of just providing any email address which might not reflect the actual identity of the uh, person uh, registering, but it also requires uh, providing proof of membership of a professional organization. Uh, you can always also revert back uh, or roll back an entry to a previous version of it if you think that the new uh, version is of lower quality or has got uh, uh, problems. So uh, nothing is lost really in a wiki. All previous edits, all previous versions and forms of the same page and entry are there stored in the database and could be retrieved by a simple rollback function available to wiki uh, CSOPs and administrators. So the mechanisms are there to combat or find workarounds these issues of vandalism, these issues of anonymous editing, uh, so that at the end of the day you can ensure good quality of your wiki. Podcasts are the third tool I would like to cover in this brief discussion of Web 2.0 tools in medical education. Podcasts are repositories of audio and video materials that can be pushed to subscribers thanks to RSS feeds 
which I will cover in a moment. Even without user intervention, users can listen to podcasts and watch podcasts on their computer, for example using the common Windows Media Player. These audio and video files can be also downloaded to portable media players, also known as MP3 and MP4 players, that can be taken anywhere, providing the potential for any time, anywhere learning experiences, what is sometimes called mobile learning. This is perfect for the busy health professional. Podcasts are good in their support for auditory learners, people with an auditory learning style. It is claimed that the primary learning style in at least 30% of learners is auditory. Podcasts are already being used in medical school curricula. They have got many educational applications, including providing recordings of lectures for those students unable to attend the lecture in person, uh, providing audio recordings of textbook text by chapter. Uh, this would allow students to read or review texts while walking or driving to class. A significant aid, as we have just mentioned, to auditory learners. And also downloadable libraries of high-resolution heart and respiratory sounds for medical students, among uh, many other possibilities. Uh, but audio and video files, of course, can be large in size and users must have sufficient bandwidth, internet bandwidth, to download them. There are already many good examples of medical and health-related podcasts around. For example, the New England Journal of Medicine uh, has got its own podcasting service. It provides uh, audio which can be delivered directly to your computer or MP3 player and these audio files cover the latest uh, abstracts and content uh, from this uh, reputable journal. Podcasts can be created from written text using text-to-speech synthesizer software, but better podcasts featuring real human voice like this one you are now listening to and also featuring radio-style programs are also available. RSS is a family of web feed formats. The acronym is variously used to refer to different standards or words like really simple syndication or rich site summary or RDF site summary, whatever. The most common is really simple syndication. Wikis, blogs and podcasts all use RSS which is now natively supported by Windows Internet Explorer version 7 and also Mozilla Firefox, users can easily set up feeds to automatically receive updates from their favorite services so they would receive notification uh, and uh, updates about the latest uh, audio recordings posted uh, to their favorite uh, podcasting service so they don't need to go and visit the podcasting site, uh, the updates actually are pushed to their desktop and they are made aware of these updates and the new files as soon as these are uh, made available online. Users do not need a dedicated podcaster program if they are running Internet Explorer 7 or the latest Windows Vista or Mozilla Firefox. 
these all support RSS and can discover these feeds. Podcasts are very good for the busy health professional, especially busy postgraduate professional students who are clinicians in full-time jobs, who cannot attend regular uh, lectures in a face-to-face program, so they can just uh, get the latest recordings over the web and listen to them at their own convenience. Here comes the podcast as a good solution providing an alternative, it's not a complete alternative, Uh, but it's better than not having anything or just having some written uh, textual lecture notes or a simple PowerPoint file. Uh, So it's good in these respects, but also there are some disadvantages. The lack of interactivity uh, compared to other forms or Web2O tools like wikis and blogs. So you don't really interact with a community of learners while listening to the podcast. You are just listening to recorded content. Of course, you can interact with this content, forward or rewind the recording, listen again and again to particular parts you would like to revise, but you cannot really interact in the same way as uh, what happens when you attend a real face-to-face lecture. So the claim that podcasts could be detrimental to conventional lecture uh, attendance is not really a very true claim. Podcasts cannot be a full replacement for a face-to-face lecture. In general, you will be lacking all the benefits and advantages of face-to-face lectures like the possibility of interacting uh, with your uh, lecturer or tutor and fellow students and tutees. Uh, the possibility of asking questions in real time, of receiving feedback in real time, and uh, conducting discussions and polls and all sorts of interactivity that is only possible and unique to a face-to-face environment. All of these uh, forms are lacking in podcasts. So students would still come to class and they would perceive the availability of podcast recordings of uh, their lectures as a great advantage to help them uh, revise the material uh, at their own pace, listen to it again and again, uh, and uh, also uh, consolidate what they have uh, learned and listened to during the face-to-face lecture. Magid Kamal Boulos is a fellow of the Royal Geographic Society and senior lecturer in health informatics at the Faculty of Health and Social Work in the University of Plymouth in Devon, United Kingdom. His paper, Wikis, Blogs, and Podcasts, A New Generation of Web-Based Tools for Virtual Collaborative Clinical Practice and Education, appears in Issue 6 of the 2006 BMC Medical Education. Ask questions of Dr. Bulos or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. 
be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.